Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Want to homeschool, but worried about your child's socialization? Classical Conversations believes education is best experienced together. That's why Classical Conversations provides homeschool families with local communities for opportunities for socialization, support, and encouragement. In community, a trained licensed director guides both students and parents alike through a proven Christ-centered curriculum rooted in the classical model. To find a Classical Conversations community near you, visit classicalconversations.com slash dadjourney. And now, back to the show. All right, guys. I say this every week. I've got a great guest again this week. I've been so excited to have this guy on for such a long time. We're going to skip the review of the week and just jump right in. So, guys, I want to introduce... A good buddy of mine, John Rulin, to the show. John, welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thanks for having me, Dan. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I almost feel silly giving John a big introduction, but he's going to be speaking on a stage tomorrow with like Jesse Itzler, and uh, he's at an event the other day with Ed Milet, actually made, made Ed cry. You know, the video's out there for proof, like just the craziest, craziest stuff you know, uh, a kid from an Ohio farm, you know, town and me, you know, from a a factory working town and running into all these just cool people and different things. Uh, John gets to do it a lot more often than I do at a much higher level than I do. But yet, you know, these, these two, two kids from humble backgrounds have, uh, done a few things. So John, man, I'm excited to have you with us. We're not only going to just talk about abundance, but the reason I really wanted you on was like your family life is just awesome and how you run your life with intention and, and gratitude and generosity and the way that you run, by the way, John's got the most incredible business also, and his business things just play in life as well. And, you know, on the family side too. So I love the synergy between between things you can do at work that you can also do at home and with friends and build community and grow relationships. So John, I got to take a breath. Welcome. <laughs> Dude, I love your energy. I love your genuineness. So yeah, Dan, where, where, where do you want to dive in first? Man, like maybe, maybe before we get started, maybe start just a little bit with your upbringing, maybe family, parents. Uh, I, I know you talk a little bit about having uh, some government help to get some lunches and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't grow up around wealthy affluent, if that's what you're alluding to. I grew up, you know, um, town of 317 people, uh, middle of Nowheresville, just south of Canton, Ohio, uh, on a farm. We had a one acre garden. We heated our house with wood. It was like, you know, in some ways, like going back to the 1800s, like, you know, we lived off the land, um, milk goats every morning. That was the kid that was awkward and smelling a little like funky going into you know, to school. I was on the free lunch program for a number of years in the middle school. <clears throat> so it wasn't like, oh, like one time when I was like five years old, like I mean, we were one of six kids. So like, I, I uh, definitely did grow up around a lot of things, but I mean, that's not unusual. Like I wasn't like starving, but my mom would, you know, a lot of my negotiating, I think came from my mom. She could make $5 go further than $500. Like she was the person at the garage sale being like, you're asking a quarter for this. That seems a little rich. How about we do you know, 10 items for a quarter, you know, like she was just, um, she, you know, she had to, she was also one of 13 kids. So she grew up a huge family. Um, and so I learned what I didn't want to do the rest of my life, which was, uh, bale hay and hoe corn by hand and split wood. Um, so I was going to go make my mom proud. She was into health and wellness. Uh, so I was going to go be a doctor, um, and go to Malone university, small Christian school there in Ohio. Um, and that desperation of paying for med school is really where 
you know, a lot of things have changed my life. You know, my faith, finding Jesus when I was 16 years old in high school and all of that, like that put me on a trajectory to go instead of going to a bigger university. I went to a small liberal Christian uh, university, but, um, but to pay for med school, I went and interned with Cutco, the knife company, which people are like, really the college, you know, the knife thing. Like I had no idea what Cutco was, but I knew if a seminary buddy who was the antithesis of a salesperson, he couldn't sell water to somebody in the middle of the desert. If he could sell these $10,000 knife sets, I could at least try. Um, so when you talk about like humble beginnings, I wore the one tie I had, which was a Mickey Mouse tie, literally, like literally Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I, wore, I wore my glasses to look smarter for the interview because I was that intimidated. And, um, but I got hired and, uh, and my fourth appointment was with my girlfriend's dad and, she, and he was a rainmaker. He was on the board of trustees at Malone. He had a law firm. And but what really caught my attention when you're poor, you notice when people are generous. Uh, and he was the guy that would like find a deal on noodles, buy a semi load. Everybody at church the next Sunday, like 300 people would walk away with like a year's supply. And I'm like, Paul, that was 40 grand on noodles. Are you nuts? And he wasn't doing it tactically. It wasn't manipulative. It was just who he was. So uh, anybody that thinks they have a hard sales job, like I went and pitched my girlfriend's dad knives before church. It's the weirdest, most awkward conversation <laughs> on the planet. And uh, Paul didn't make me feel uncomfortable. And I was pitching him. He, first, he bought a set for himself and his three unmarried daughters. And then the next Sunday, I pitched him. I said, you're always giving things away to your clients. They're CEOs of lumber yards and home builders and pallet shops and insurance companies, whatever. And uh, I said, would you consider giving them? They're all into the hunting outdoors stuff, like a two $300 piece hunting knife that Cutco makes. And he changed my life forever. He's like, John, I don't want to order the hunting knives. I'm like, okay. He's like, I want to order a bunch of the kitchen knives. And I'm like, you want to give a bunch of grown men CEOs, like a kitchen tool? Like, Paul, that's weird. Why? And uh, he said, John, the reason I have more referrals, the flow access. Um, the, uh, I figured out a simple truth a long time ago. And that's if you take care of the family and business, everything else seems to take care of itself. And so that was like the epiphany. And that's when med school got put on hold and, you know, Cutco's worked with about 2 million sales reps in uh, 70 years, and we became their number one rep in the history of the company. Yeah, that is just incredible. And if anybody's got Cutco knives, man, they are outrageously awesome. The knives, the scissors, the you name it, they're awesome. I we we use them at the house, like the steak knives, like everything. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, they're. I mean, they're you know, like the Rolex of cutlery. I mean, they're not a cheap date. They're handmade in the U.S. You know, does anybody need Cutco? No. Like, do we need air conditioning? No. Like, you know, but it's like most people, you know, they cook at home or they entertain or they're foodies or whatever else. And so it's like, it's, it, I realized early on, it wasn't about the knife. The knife just communicated care of the family. It communicated a world-class product. It was personalized to all these things. But to this day, I mean, the owners of the company, it's a $300 million company and, you know, they're great conservative, you know, Christian guys that, that, uh, that own the company, but they're just great humans. Like they have 800 employees that are hand making the knives and they care just as much about the employees and keeping them and their families taken care of. It's like the Cutco YMCA, the Cutco theater, like they're just, um, they're not flashy. There's no jets or helicopters. There's no, you know, they drive a Buick to work and they'll connect. They'll, they'll, if it saves $50, they'll fly commercial and, and connect, like they're engineers by trade and they're just like, they're not flashy. There's good humans. So, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to shift to a different office as we're, as we're chatting, if you're okay with that. Yeah. 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 Let's do this on the fly. We're, we're, we're double booked, uh, in one of the rooms here. So I'm going to shift down to, uh, the hallway here for a second. We're, well, this is a first in the, in, 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 little, little technical difficulty here. Um, just a second here. You guys can see the behind the scenes on YouTube. This one will be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I've had to do virtual keynotes before that, you know, on the side of a highway with 5G in my Honda Odyssey, like you name it. Like it's amazing what's possible if you just say, yeah, we'll make it work. So, so funny. You're, I was probably two years ago now, I was interviewing this guy named Chris Stefanik. He's a huge Christian speaker. And he's got a studio in his house, of course, podcast, you know, all the, all the best media. And he pops on and he's in the middle of his F-150 in his yard. He goes, pardon me, but uh, we've got family over and there's kids and stuff. And it's really crazy in there. So (laughs) 
<laughs> you're going to have to for, forgive. And, you know, this is the journey of a Christian dad podcast, like in an F-150, like this is the thing, right? Yeah. I love it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is man stuff here. So, yeah, you're in an F-150. We're okay. So <laughs> People make fun of the Odyssey. I tell people I've owned Yukon XL Denali's and all kinds of stuff. My my Honda Odyssey uh, is probably the nicest vehicle I've ever owned. And now, like, when I travel, like, rather than having, like, a fancy SUV, like, if they don't have a, a minivan, I'm pissed. Because the amount of, like, with four kids and, and like, we went to the Grand Canyon and they upgraded us to a, a Toyota Land Cruiser, which is like a $110,000 vehicle. And I went back the next day and asked for a minivan. And they ended up giving us a Suburban because they had no minivans. Um, <laughs> but I could hold more, by, by far, more people and stuff comfortably in my Odyssey than I could in the Land Cruiser. I'm like, this is... So like, eventually Honda is going to sponsor me or Toyota, one of the minivan companies. Cause like, I'd love, people are like, what do you drive a big truck? I'm like, no, I drive an Odyssey. It's like <laughs> the best vehicle ever. So it sure is convenient money. for, with the kids and everything for sure. Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I've, with the amount of stuff I can fit in that with the fold flat seats in the back, it's, uh, it's, you know, not the sexiest vehicle on the planet, but it is the most practical and functional. Yep. Yep. We, we do some stuff for our families, guys. Amen. That's right. So That's right. Paul kind of taught you a few things and maybe he was teaching intentionally, or maybe he was, um, maybe that's just who he was. Cause he's a super strong Christian guy. Yeah. I think it was both. I mean, he lived his life in a way like he was very intentional. And like, I think you would never say, you know, here's a teachable moment. I'm going to teach you, but like, he definitely took time to go grab a three hour lunch and he was never in a hurry. You know, like he just always had time for people. He was always handwriting notes he was always making the, like, you'd see like somebody he had done something for like 20 years before magically, like they inherited money or land. And then they, he would handle the estate and the real estate transfer. And, and he just was pouring into people all the time. And I was one of the recipients of that. And even when I went back to him and like mentioned him in the book and uh, tried to like give him credit, he was like, John, I didn't do anything. I just, you know, I opened a few doors for you. I'm like, Paul, your belief in me your social capital of like, say like he would buy, he bought all these knives and then would give it to me to go hand deliver to a business owner and be like, whether you buy or not, I, I want you to have a, you know, Paul wanted you to have a piece of it. Well, like Paul was like this, you know, well-respected figure in the community. He was transferring his social capital to me to go give a gift that he bought from me. So I made money off the gift and he's opening these doors with these business owners who are like, what's the knife thing? And I'm, and I'd walk through like, Hey, we're going to help you, you know, 10 extra referrals and we're going to help you drive these outcomes. And they'd be like, Oh my gosh, like never thought about using generosity and gifting and thoughtfulness that way. And so the belief and the transfer of social capital, and then like the first few clients that we landed were a direct result of his referrals and open doors, you know, without that, I wouldn't have got off the ground because I don't think I had the confidence at the time I was insecure and, you know, I was 20 years old and trying to figure life out and myself out. And so, yeah, Paul was, one of those people that God put in my place that uh, without him, I'd be in a very different spot right now. So what I heard there is something that I talk about a little bit on the podcast is our confidence in someone else can change their life. 100%. So whether that's our kids, whether that's our wife, whether that's somebody outside of our immediate family, we can literally speak into them something you see and build their confidence up where they can step into it and achieve huge things, whether huge or small, but just having that self-confidence of, well, oh, wow, somebody believes in me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, the Bible talks about like, how did God create the heavens and the earth? It was through speaking. Our words have power. And, you know, whether that's spoken word or unspoken word, like that belief, that confidence, and obviously like you can use it, you know, you can give somebody a bunch of hot air and say things that you don't really think or believe. Like that's not, you know, like, but I think seeing, being able to see in people their potential or see in people what, what's possible and then vocalizing that, like that can be something that people can latch onto and hold onto in tough times or challenging times. Like, I think that's, uh, you know, we're, God's given us the ability to create, we're creators, you know, uh, that that's, you know, his the way he's designed us. And so I, I agree the, the confidence spoken is, is way undervalued and, and uh, probably misunderstood by most. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a tool that, that guys just don't realize that they can implement. You don't need any real skill behind it. No, 
No, the boldness to do it. And obviously it's a tool, right? So you, you want to steward it well and you want to, like, I think you can do it haphazardly or you can do it with thoughtfulness and intention. And, you know, like, otherwise, like, it's like any, any tool, like money is a tool or fire is a tool. Like, if you don't use it properly, it can also cause some harm, right? Like get ourselves in trouble or get out of our skis or whatever else, or, or do some damage with it. But I think, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of, a lot, a lot of opportunity there for a lot of people. And they, they're like, oh, I'm just, I'm just this, or I'm just this, like, no, God's given you the ability to do things like, you know, I remember th- having those thoughts. Like I, so I didn't speak on stage for a long time. I'm no, I'm nobody. I don't deserve to be there. I'm, you know, that insecurity factor, that imposter syndrome or any of that, but that's not of God. Like, that's not like, that's, that's the devil, like creating doubt and not wanting us to reach our full potential of what we can do and, and, you know, impact a lot of people for him, whatever that stage happens to be. So at first you wouldn't go speak on stages. Oh, I hated it. I speak once a year for Cutco as a, as a, uh, show gratitude and appreciation for what they provided for me, but I would have diarrhea and indigestion for six months leading up to any speaking gig. <laughs> awesome. I, I locked myself in a hotel room for a day or two and not talk to anybody as I was rewriting the speech over and over again. So I, I think I may be wrong on this, but you are an introvert, I think. Yeah, by far. So you're not hearing that from his voice and what we're talking about right now, but uh, as you're talking about being all nervous and everything, I do some public speaking and I remember the first time somebody handed me a microphone, all I was supposed to say was the name and the company I work for. And I did not want to do that. I was like, no, just pass it to the next guy. Like, get that away from me. I know that feeling. Yeah. It's like, you have like like cotton in your mouth. Like you just feel horrible. Yeah. Yeah, Ready to throw up, hands sweating, like terrible. Yeah. It's no, even to this day, the, the few seconds before I get on stage, like my heart is pumping my chest and I have to like get into like a ritual and, and, and like remind myself of who I am and what God's called me to do and, and who I, you know, who I'm supposed to be. And, um, but I still get jitters and still get the upset stomach. Now it's not nearly as bad and it's not for six months. It's like, you know, 15 minutes before I go on stage, it starts really churning. And I try to use it almost like the energy before a big basketball game or a championship, whatever game, like it's like those jitters and use the adrenaline to, you know, to bring it out, to bring that energy up. But yeah, I'm naturally, after I go on stage and play an extrovert on stage and sign books and speak to people, I'll go like grab a cigar and, you know, steak by myself watching, you know, a basketball game or sports center, I need to decompress because I definitely like uh, am more introverted uh, in almost everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, ritual before you speak, uh, oftentimes guys can do whatever we do and there's something that we need to do before we do the thing, whatever that is. So, you know, playing a basketball game or playing with our kids or the transition from work to home. Yeah. If we get home and we're the work guy and we're crushing things or we're, you know, in the loud construction environment or wherever we are, if we take that and we go play at home with the same mindset. So it sounds like you had a thought about that as well. Yeah. I mean, I I think that, um, yeah, preparing yourself before you go home or prepare like the, the I think rituals and traditions and stuff like that have been woven throughout, you know, the Bible, like in a lot of faiths, like I think there's power in those rituals and traditions. I think sometimes in our modern era, we don't need that. And it's like, at least for me, like, yeah, I mean, I, I go through, um, certain workout. I don't eat. Um, I, you know, will go do the sauna or steam room. I'll use certain essential oils, which might sound a little woo woo. Um, but anything to just like put on, I wear the same outfit every time I speak. Um, you know, it's like my, it's kind of like Todd Herman's, like, you know, alter ego. Effect. Alter ego. Yeah. Can I go into like a mindset of like, you know, cause you're going on stage, like you're, it's for a game, like you're different, you're the same person, but you're putting on a different, you know, front there. And so like to take that home to your kids of, you know, is different. So like going home and, you know, task and type A and whatever else, like I want to be, you know, I got four girls. I want to be, you know, empathic and, and connected and, you know, not have them feel like I'm putting on a performance or trying to run through walls. Like I want to be engaged with them differently. And even my wife, like if I come in and like a bull in a China shop, she's like, you're breaking everything. Like we had a nice calm routine going on. And then like 
you come in and it's like Disney dad, like, Hey, like, Hey, you need to like bring, you know, match the energy that's here. Not like, and there's times to bring up energy, but I think in general, like I, I've had to learn how to show up at home differently than I do in a workplace. And at first I was offended, right? My, my ego, my pride, like can't be myself and you're trying to squash me. It's like, no, your family needs a little different side of you than, than maybe, you know, other areas of your life. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that, that was something I heard years ago was that transition between work and home is think through, change your attitude, you know, take a, take a pause, a breath, you know, maybe say a prayer or whatever, but be intentional with your, with how you act at home, as opposed to staying the same, like whatever groove you got into at work, it's easy to stay there. Yeah. Yeah. It might not serve your marriage or, or your, yeah, your kids or yeah, it's, uh, you know, different seasons there. You can be the same person, but you can bring a different energy to yourself and different mindset and focus for sure. And I think Kobe talked about that, you know, like he was like on the court, he had the Mamba mentality, but he didn't bring that when he was with his girls playing basketball or when he was at home, like he knew that something different was needed there. And, you know, that killer instinct is great in some areas and could like completely strangle or destroy other parts of your, you know, and having the wisdom around, you know, how to be a warrior, but also have the tenderness, you know, like I think God's wired us for, for both of those. But I think a lot of times myself, for sure, like I've not known how to flip one off and turn one on. Um, and so, you know, there's consequences to that. Yeah. Blake Brewer was talking about Kobe Bryant, you know, Blake. Yeah, and uh, he says, Kobe didn't score any points in a summer league that his dad like was the star of and his grandpa was the star of so there's a whole legacy there and kobe shows up doesn't score a single point the whole summer and they're walking off the court and his dad puts his arm around him and says kobe i don't care if you score a single point i'm always going to love you no matter what and kobe said that was it from that moment on it was on it was no longer about pressure it was no longer living up to dad it was up to kind of mama mentality that switch flip where okay i can go dominate now there's no pressure i don't need to live up to my dad and grandpa's legacy i can just go kill it yeah do it by choice versus expectation or guilt yeah, yeah. this is you know dad told me he loves me no matter what so like i didn't have to do it i oh, got to do it yeah i chose like, to do it yeah what a gift to be able to give your your son that way yeah that's that's a cool story it's true i think it's it's uh and you see guys that have longevity and purpose like a tim tebow and like guys like that that are doing it because of who they are, because who they chose to be versus like some expectation or guilt or, you know, obviously wounds and trauma can, can motivate us and cause us to do some amazing things, but uh, way better when you can do it without those wounds or trauma and be able to do it purposeful and through strength, not through responding to a, a wound. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I didn't even mention, you wrote a fantastic book called Giftology, and it talks about a lot of your philosophies and a lot of ways to enhance relationships or start relationships. Um, anything from there, whether it's the, uh, who am I to write a book or from things you learned in writing the book that you applied in your family life or friend life or any of those uh, thoughts that you had as you're in the book writing process. Yeah. Well, I tried to write the book on my own for like five years and got like 10% of it done. There was insecurity around writing it. Uh, I ended up hiring a company to help, you know, facilitate. They were called Book in the Box at the time. They're now called Scribe. Um, founders become friends and, you know, they've done like a couple thousand books now, but at the time it was like their 50th book. Um, but it was amazing when you sign a check, commit, and then you have somebody that understands how to structure, like it was done um, from start to finish and six months, 40 hours, um, power of like, Hey, you write that $30,000 check or whatever it was. It was like, my partner was like, we're getting this done. Um, but having the right person as a guide or as a mentor, as a coach to walk you through, like, here's how you structure it. Here's the, you know, like you, you don't know the recipe and you're trying to write a book. It's very difficult, but once they helped me with the outline and, you know, kind of the structure of focus, like, it was just a matter of like filling in the gaps and a lot of it was spoken out. Like I was able to just be interviewed and record it and then, you know, kind of massage it and work it through. But uh, I mean, it shifted everything for me, like the clarity of the book, 
the uh, clients that I'd been talking about, like, you know, on the agencies that were helping people send out lots of gifts and I'd be like, Hey, you need to personalize and you do this. They view it. Like they'd never hear it. Then they read it in the book one time and I'd said it to them a hundred times and they're like preaching it back to me. And like, it was the first time they heard it. So that was interesting. Um, but I, I think, you know, for me, um, getting it crystallized in the book, you know, help provide a framework and a structure, even from our company perspective on the agency side, it provided clarity for me and the book went places. No, other people couldn't go. So it's been cool to see it now in multiple languages and, you know, over a hundred thousand copies you know, out there in the wild, which is pretty wild. And, um, you know, for a self-published book, uh, so I think we're somewhere over 1200 ratings on Amazon and it's just, uh, but at the when it first published, it was like, is, I'm, I guess I'll more than just like to my grandma and my mom, you know, like that kind of a feeling for sure. Cause it's like, is anybody really going to care about a gifting book? Um, and I think we've gotten better about positioning it. Like nobody really cares about gifts. We all care about their humans and the relationships and the referrals and the, re- the revenue, like that comes from strong relationships with employees and clients. So I think we've gotten better even over the last seven years of clarifying that message of why does it matter in business? Why did, why would a CEO or CFO or VP of sales care? But, uh, but even that, I mean, it's been a 23 year evolution and that's the book is just one part of that evolution. In the Bible, it talks about where there is no vision, the people will perish. And you just talked about clarity. Yep. What has clarity done in your life? Well, I mean, it's uh, what's the quote? If you um, if you don't know where you're going, any path will get you there. Like, yeah. um, and so I think that understanding um, that God's given us all a purpose, and so like, um, and I think that at some level, the overarching purpose is like to be able to share the you know share the gift of salvation and faith with others, and be able to like become the best version of yourself and to lead your family well. I think there's some things that are across the board, but I think for me. Um, writing things out or speaking things out and provide the opportunity to be able to, to, to work through what that vision is. And I think it's, you know, at least for me, it's not an end all be all, like I got it all figured out now. Like I got the perfect vision, like it's an evolution process, but I think that knowing like this is the direction I'm heading for at least the next step or the next season has provide the ability to take some bold steps and actions and doing things, knowing that um, it's what I'm called to be doing at that at that time or that moment. And it provides the opportunity to create some, some great results because of those bold moves and, and having that clarity of where I want to go. So the example of writing a book, cool. I want to write a book. Here's the vision. That's where I'm going. I'm 10% done. Whatever you said, six years into it. Yeah. Maybe could have called the audible a little bit sooner, but the key that you went and asked for help and realized that there was help available. And it was probably right there underneath your finger for quite some time before you took action on it. Yeah. Well, I think part of it is, I do think that there's some people that will like, it's like becoming a life coach when you're like 17 years old. Yes. Like, I do think there's an element, at least for me of like, there was a blessing almost and it, it not happening in the timing that I wanted because our business evolved and experiences and whatever else. And it was that much more richer and robust. So part of me wanted to write a book because I was insecure and wanted the credibility and by the time we got around to doing it, it was a good time. The timing was right for that to happen. So I think that there's some God's providence or timing in there. But I do think that there and there was an element of like um, being open to being coached around that or even realizing that there was other products or services or people that could help truly, you know, like I think maybe there's like, oh, I don't want somebody else to write my own book. Well, I wrote my own book, but I just had guides and help people that helped with the recipe and the process. And so I think even understanding what it really was. So I think there's been, um, yeah, there, it was, it was as much as I wish it had been maybe come out 10 years earlier, there's part of me that's like glad that it didn't because it wouldn't have been, it would, it would have felt like, you know, half baked. Right. Um, and so there's elements of like, sometimes the things you want to have happen, you're like, why didn't, why didn't that door open or that referral happen or that connection happen or that promotion happen or whatever you can look back in hindsight and be like, there might've been a blessing uh, in disguise there that like, I wasn't ready yet. I, things hadn't clicked yet. Like I wasn't mature enough yet to handle that opportunity or to actually have created the thing that was supposed to be created. So uh, I don't know if that's makes sense or not, but that's, you know, looking back, I, that's how I feel about that particular part of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. And it's funny that why question that can be beneficial or it can just haunt us either way. Yeah. Yeah. 
But I, I mean, yeah, th- at least for me, it's, it's been, I don't know. I've seen God show up too many times. And even when I didn't understand the why eventually like good things have, have evolved from that or whatever else, if I continue to, to stay diligent and not that mean to this day, like, you know, talking to Cody and I'm like, I'm, I'm experiencing some of the highest of highs and some of the lowest of lows. Like some, some days you're just like, gosh, like this is, yeah, so many good things going for me. I'm still getting kicked in the teeth. And, you know, like, so it's not like everything's perfect now or whatever else, but I, I do think that being able to have lived through certain seasons, you can see where God was faithful and, and things. And like, even when you don't understand the why you're like still being taken care of and a lot of good things are happening, I can be grateful and I can keep moving forward, even if it's not always crystal clear on the why for particular seasons or situations. Yeah. So you mentioned getting kicked in the teeth and whatever, and we're also talking about, um, looking to others for help and guidance and things. So last week was a, a little rough for me. Uh, I typically love my wife and I feel, feel like I do a pretty good job of loving my wife. Well, I make that an intention every day. And for whatever reason, there's three different situations where I was short with her and just kind of snapped back at her about something. And I was like, what in the heck was that? Where did that come from? Like, I can't remember the last time that I snapped at her, but I did. And then it happened again. And then it happened again. I'm like, man, what is going on? And so this, and kind of past that and everything's fine. You know, I'm back to not snapping at my wife. At least I got a a good consecutive streak going and I'm looking for a business book today by John Maxwell on audible. And I'll be darned if this other book doesn't show up. Um, Marriage triggers exchanging spouses, angry act reactions for gentle biblical responses. I'm like, oh, that's cool. That was in my wish list. And I don't know why I didn't buy it and listen to it. Then I'm like, well, you know what? I'll reach out to the author, authors, a husband, wife, and see if they'll come on the podcast. And then I'll get some free coaching. Yeah. And I'll use some anonymous guy's story as, you know, hypothetically, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. That's a friend. You know, asking for a friend type thing. And this will be great. And so I sent her a note at 4.30 this morning. Almost instantly, she replies back. I thought she was in LA. turns out she's in uh, Tennessee. So I thought, why is this crazy person waking up at 2.30 in the morning? Like, this nuts. (laughs) No, she's in Tennessee. So it was 5.30 there. So she just woke up or whatever and messaged me back. Yeah, that sounds great. Which book you want to be on? Or which book you want to talk about? Like, oh, geez, she's wrote multiple books. I guess I better look. Like, just this one, the marriage one. Well, she wrote one about uh, kids also, like triggers with kids. And I'm like, of course, kids trigger us all the time as parents. Might be nice to come up with some intentional responses. And so I like all the the parents book. I'm like, but I've actually, and this is true. I actually read the triggers book for kids, not realizing she was the author. No way. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And that one's a really, really good book. So I was like, hey, come on the podcast. She's like, yeah, sure. That'd be great. My husband doesn't do that stuff. I messaged him also separately. (laughs) <laughs> and I realized that he's maybe a bigger media guy. Like he maybe makes movies and maybe makes TV shows and like maybe people request him all the time. I don't know. Huh. So was, he, he doesn't do that though. But if you want just me, I'll come on. Just me. Yeah. yeah. If you wrote the book, I'm pretty sure that would be just fine. Yeah. And then you look and she's got a whole bunch of books. I'm like, oh yeah, that'd be awesome. Like, I'd love to have you on. Like, that'd be so cool. I'm excited, you know, for when we get this set up and we set up a time. And when she, like, whatever the last thing I was where I like really thanked her, she didn't respond. Maybe she was making breakfast for the kids or whatever. Well, I don't know. And then an hour and a half later, she responds back with, and I kid you not, she goes, hey, what can I pray for for you this month? Wow. So we're, we're going to record in about a month. And her response, what can I, and I'm like, this month? Are you kidding me? I still haven't replied to her yet because I'm like taken back. Like, wow. That's a, that's a heck of a response. That's a gift in and of itself. Like that's, yeah. Um. <laughs> And, and offer that and then to follow through on it. But I mean, it's uh, somebody that you never met before, but obviously like kind of know where somebody's heart is and that's, you know, that's where they're, that's where they're leading and that's where they're at. That's pretty cool. That was amazing. And so I've been able to tell that story to a number of different guys that I've been interacting with today. And they're like, wow, the intentionality, the duration, the, and for not even knowing a person like that is amazing. Yeah. Well, she's going to invest an hour to be on the, the show with you. Like, that that's obviously a commitment in and of itself. And it's like, Hey, that's uh, what a cool way to connect with somebody and be able to like show up already, like having prayed for them in that other person to know that, like, I, I have a feeling that's going to be a great conversation, Dan. Oh, I can't wait. Separately. Her husband messages me hours later. Hey, like 
this sounds great. Like, I love this. And I'm, I'm not an expert on any of this stuff, but I got a whole bunch of stories I can share about my own struggles. And <laughs> no way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Well, so you're going to, are you going to have them both on at the same time or are you going to do it separately? I don't know. That's a good question. That's a good question. Could be yeah. interesting to do them separately. Yeah. And then yeah. Depending on how it goes, you could bring them both on eventually together, but like it'd be, I mean, obviously you can do both at the same time, but it could be interesting to get perspectives on both sides. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. And, and then do a blend. But yeah, I don't know if you ever met the uh, authors of The Go-Giver. Oh, Bob Bird. Yeah. And yeah. and also John David Mann. I've not met, uh, I think John David Mann, I have an email before about something. Okay. Um, maybe it was you that made the introduction to, to, to John David Mann. But Bob, I've, uh, I've talked to him on the phone a couple of times and I was on his, I think it was on his podcast once or twice. Um, so, so yeah, I've not, not met him, but I mean, big fan of the, of their book. Yeah. So with their, um, their message in the go-giver, it's like just rooted in biblical principles. So John was the primary writer on that one and it's just so cool. And so that's what I like about the giftology approach also is because it's generous, it's gifting, it's looking out for others. It's not self-interest. It's, you know, loving on others. And it's just a really, really cool thing. And it, like just fits perfectly into the whole go-giver uh, thing. When I oh, read, yeah, it's cut from summer cloth. Oh yeah. When I read the go-giver, I thought, man, this should be a marriage book. Mm. So John showed the book to his wife and she, her thought was, wow, this should be a marriage book. Little did I know she's a marriage counselor. No way. Yeah. Yeah. So now they've got a book out called the go-giver marriage, five simple ways to love your spouse or something like that. that's the subtitle. It's like really, really cool book. Wow. Were you the one that inspired that to be a consideration? No. Turns out I was talking to John about something else. And then um, he hit me back up later. He says, hey, could I come on your podcast? I'd love to talk about this new book that's coming out. I was like, no way. That's awesome. And then his wife came on and it was a really, really good interview. They're both just a a wonderful couple. So um, I'll have to to get get a book over to you for like, you'll love the book. Like it's really, really cool. Yeah. No, it sounds, I mean, it sounds right up our alley for sure. Like, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of the principles of, of, uh, I mean, really whether it's the word love, like the five love languages or go giver or giftology, like it's really, uh, you know, similar language around the same concept of if you love on relationships and business, you know, all the things you want to have happen, referrals and revenue and loyalty and all that, like comes out of like loving on people. You can call it gifts, you can call it words of affirmation, call it entertaining them at a ball game like it's loving on them well and not in a manipulative way so like it's uh i could see the go-giver applying to marriage because it's just humans right like mm-hmm. so um in the marriage relationship like it's probably the most difficult and challenging because there's no hiding like there's no and you're it's intertwined everything business relationships are easy compared to a marriage relationship so i uh yeah that's awesome have you got any uh, quick hitters about uh, some principles for being generous to others or uh, gifting or uh, family or friends? So maybe not on a business level, but just on a people level, like w- what's a way to make an impact in somebody else's life? Well, I mean, the cool thing is, is that it's uh, people will try to treat business people or, you know, clients or employees differently, but like a human is a human. I think the, you know, if you show up and you personalize something and make it all about them, uh, things flourish. If you take the time to handwrite the note and select something that's about them, not about you, they flourish. If you, you know, really, if you can blend all five of the love languages into one gifting experience, like there's an amplification and multiplication effect. So it could be spending quality time with them, handwriting the note, which is words of affirmation. And then, you know, the physical act of the gift is a reminder of the relationship and the value you place on that relationship. So I mean, whether somebody, you know, lives in Missouri or Antarctica or whatever, like we're humans. And when you tap into humanity, the way God's wired us, like the, there's universal principles. And I think that's what we try to, to focus on in the, in the book is none of it's rocket science. Like a lot of it is old, you know, look at the Old Testament, like um, a gift ushers you before kings. Like we all want to be before kings, but we're not doing things at a radically generous over the top way. And even with our spouse, we want to receive love back, but we're not taking the time to be intentional and focused and 
and do things no strings attached for those relationships, whether it's a spouse, a kid, a friend, a parent. Like um, when you follow the recipe that God's wired us you know, into, like great things tend to happen. Now we're human, so there's brokenness, which means you could do something for somebody and they may not respond the way you want to. Why? Because we're not robots. And something else might be creating a wall or a blockage there. And so I think sometimes people get a bad response one time, like, oh, it doesn't work. Or I knew they didn't care about me. It's like, no, they're a human. You might have to, you might have to make a few deposits in the relationship before, you know, uh, or they might be going through a season where they're not able to respond well. Um, so, I, but I think, you know, holistically, the concepts apply personally, professionally, size industry doesn't matter. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I know a big part of uh, what you do is focusing on other people and using their names. Yeah, our name is, I mean, the name in the Bible is big, right? But I mean, if you look at like even people that aren't of faith, they'll give a lot of money to a university or to a hospital system or a school. Why? Their name is on the side of the building. They'll give hundreds of millions of dollars to get their name on the side of the building. That's a billionaire or somebody worth nine figures or eight figures or whatever. Our name is like, part of our legacy. It's part of our heritage. It's part of our multi-generational impact. Like when you can tap into, that's why I hate logos. Cause it's like, that's not, that's about the giver. It's like, now it's a, now it's swag. It's a trinket. It's a tchotchke. It's a manipulation to get them to be an advertisement for you. But when you can make the gift all about them and the things they care about, their core values, their faith, their family. Now all of a sudden it's a, you know, that's why I like the word heart bomb or artifact or heirloom or, like it signifies longevity and impact and power. And, you know, like it's, it's tied to something that's lasting. And, and so I think that when you can personalize something and make it all about them, like they'll tell the story a hundred or a thousand times and make it all about you. When you shine the spotlight on, on others, there's a halo effect. There's a reflection effect. And that's where people mess up. They're like, I want it to be branding and marketing. Like, no, you don't. You want to connect with them as a human. And let them go become an ambassador, a raving fan, or an advocate, or whatever buzzword, a true fan, Tim Ferriss concept. Do that. You get a thousand people out there raving about you when you're not in the room. Like, you want more revenue and more referrals? Like, that's how you do it. You make it all about them. And that personalization is such a key, simple element that so many people miss. So take it from like Hallmark card, or take it from like the fancy gift, or when you're thinking about it, when you receive a personalized letter, that's all about you, not about them. And they say something to gratify it, like give you confidence or praise you for something characteristics. That's truly who you are. Like which one has more impact on you? It's the one that's deep and specific and personal. Yes. It's like even a nice watch, you know, give somebody a Rolex without the engraving or personalization or note of why they're giving it to you. Like we're all creating meaning and like, Otherwise, things are just stuff. But if you if you connect the emotional connection and and who they are at a core level, like a character level, whether you're a janitor or a billionaire, like we all want our lives to have mattered. And so, like, yeah, the note is just as important as whatever the artifact is because it provides the context and the story and in the depth to make it like, wow, this there's there's a there's meaning behind this. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, there's little ingredients matter, right? It's like miss one ingredient and people are like, hi, oh, I did, I did giftology. It didn't work. I'm like, did you follow the recipe? They're like, well, we follow giftology ish. Like, you know, baking bread, you don't put yeast in. It's one tiny little ingredient, you know, it's very small, but you don't get bread without that one ingredient. And in relationships, it's those little things that convey either, oh, this was marketing or, oh, this is a relationship. Oh, I want, I, I want to see this person win, or this was a transaction. Like that's the difference maker. And you know, you get somebody that's a top performer growing lots of referrals and somebody who does okay, but they're constantly in the grind of having to like, you know, fight for everything that they get versus like being able to attract and not in a woo-woo way, but like, you know, in a way like, man, I, there's an energy around that person that like you want to see them win because they're a giver. They're a go-giver. That's, that's it. Somebody gave you a gift a while ago. They drove for hundreds of miles, I believe. And it's now one of the coolest gifts that your company designs and gives out. Yeah. Yeah. The thing I made, fun, ironically, I made fun of it as like one of the people would ask, what's the worst gift you, you know, you would give or you've seen, in, you know, in interviews, big, you know, Fox news, or whatever. <laughs> I'd be like backpack, water bottle, mug, you know, like the cheesy golf balls, the same stuff everybody gives. 
and then yeah somebody drove they reached out and made these artifact mugs are a couple thousand dollars a piece they made a mug for me and my wife and carved into it is life story faith family for my wife it was like her father who passed away of cancer made both of us cry he drove nine and a half hours from georgia to hand deliver them for a five minute meeting and uh, i've given i've now like had billionaires cry on stage giving them a silly mug yeah you made it, ed, ed my a king a king yeah, kings cry yeah. Yeah. So Ed Milet cried, Tim Tebow cried on stage. Uh, YPO guys like, and it's not, I mean, the, the clay in the mug, the reason it's a couple grand is it takes a you know month to make and it's like super personal to them. There's a video from the artist in a special box and it's, it's um, I've had mentors so like, John, if my house is on fire, I've had multiple people um, say, if my house is on fire, I'm not grabbing my like $25,000 watch, my $50,000 piece of jewelry. Those can be replaced in the, in, you know, with insurance money. I'm grabbing, like usually grab the thing that have the most story and value. So like if your dad served military, grab a flag, pictures. And I've had multiple people that are worth seven, eight, nine figures say that they're grabbing the mug. I'm like, why? And they're like, because it, it, it's like a lifetime achievement award. It's like encapsulates. And every day as I drink my coffee or tea, I had, I had a family, sold their business for nine figures, strong faith out of Georgia. Their house got broken into. The guy had made one for a mug for his wife. She made a beeline the house was ransacked. She made a beeline for the cupboards in the kitchen to see if the, her mug was still there and intact. They were like nine figures. And I'm like, come on, like, really? And he's like, I, I wouldn't have believed it if I hadn't seen it myself. It's like, that's what she, that's what she cared. She wouldn't worry about the jewelry. She wanted to go see if it was the artifact mug. I'm like, this is just like, it doesn't make any logical sense. But as humans, like we, we crave that meaning and we crave that connection to something bigger and deeper than ourselves. So yeah, silly artifact mugs are now one of our favorite things and most powerful things that we do. It's like guy delivers it to you in like a Tupperware container, just like the container is like, Oh, you look like you was 16 from the guy off the farm. <laughs> looked like there was claw marks on the Tupperware container. When he, I, I set the meeting at a public place. Cause I was like, is this guy a stalker? Like I had no connection to him. He had just read the book and, you know, listen to 50 or 60 interviews and like he, uh, yeah, he's a special human. He's, he's one of my favorite people. He just has a depth of soul. Like he's in his twenties, but he has like the, the soul of like somebody who's in their eighties. He's just, uh, and he's, he's that unique artist that doesn't make the art about himself. He makes the art about a deep, meaningful level about the human that he's making it for. And, uh, and he even said when he met, he's like, John, I feel like God's called me to be a gift maker. And you can't order one of these for yourself. You, you can only receive one from somebody else, which is pretty cool, right? And like a gift you can't buy. It's, it has to be gifted to you, which in and of itself is makes it special. But yeah, he's uh, he's a rare human. Yeah, it's cool. You do all the research and find out like primarily what somebody's spouse is, what they're all into and everything. And so it's an unbelievable gift. And you're super private, protective of your family. And you invited this guy first second you met, or not first second, but within thirty minutes to sleep at your house. Hey, honey. my wife did. My wife. <laughs> your wife did. My wife is the most protective person at the time. We had three kids, three <laughs> girls, and when I got home and showed him, she cried and she's like, "This is the craziest, most amazing thing we've ever received." And she, you know, she's like, "Is is he crazy?" I'm like, "He's crazy, like I'm crazy," because I was trying to get him a hotel because he was going to drive nine and a half hours through the night back home because his wife was like pregnant with her first kid. She was like a senior in college working at Chick-fil-A. Like he's been married like a year. Like, you know, he's 20, he looked like he was 16, but he was 23. And yeah. So she's like, well, he's got to stay with us. I'm like, Lindsay, you don't let anybody stay at our house. She's like, but this is amazing. Like, so yeah, we, he came, I'm like, Hey, you know, instead of staying at a hotel, do you want to stay at our house? And he's like, well, that makes the story even better. And I'm like, it sure does, Brad. Like, he's like, I'll be right over. So he goes, we talked to like two in the morning. And yeah, I mean, we've done some, I mean, some of the, the wealthiest billionaires in the world we've honored with mugs where like, there's these like five, no, $7,000 bases. Like we've done my, my business partner possible to buy for, he's not a sentimental guy, like, but he loves cigars and he loves Jesus. So he like, we made this crazy cigar tray that's all customized with like things that he loves. And like, it's like one of his prized possessions. It's, um, it's pretty cool to be able to put a functional purpose and lifetime achievement award into this functional piece of art that highlights 
the things that they, you know, if their life flashed between their eyes, almost everybody would be their faith, their family, their charity, their, like, there's certain things that as a human that we, you know, and that, and the, the questions, it's like the seven, the same seven questions that we get answered are the same seven for every person, whether it's Richard Branson and Oprah, or whether it's like your neighbor down the street that, you know, like paints houses, well, you know, like we're human and here's, and so that's the cool essence of it. It's like the delivery vehicle is the same but it's so hyper-personalized to the person that it's like a one-of-one at the highest level. It's so wild. Mm. I think everybody's wondering what the seven questions are. I don't know if I should even ask. Yeah, I mean, it, it's like, it's faith. You know, what's their faith? What's the, What do they believe in? What are the charities? Who believed in the first? Like, it's, um. I mean, what, the cool thing about the recipe is, like, I can give away the recipe, but, like, to go execute on those details at scale, like, if yes. you want to go do something for yourself or for, or for your wife, like, you know, you could take our whole playbook and go execute it. Like, and we have people all over the world that do that. The reason we have an agency is people are like, well, how do I do this for like 30 clients or 3000 employees or, you know, 500 dealers or referrals or, or investors or whatever. It's hard when you try to scale the thoughtfulness like that, that that's the real challenge. That's why we have a business that does it with and for somebody, but I'm not afraid to be like, here's what we do. Like here's why, here's why we still do the silly knives. Here's why we, here's why we have a 3000 hour wood box to deliver certain things in like people could, but it's hard. It's not hard to do it for one person. It's hard to do it at, at scale. And so, and really I want people to go take it and use it in their personal lives with their spouses and make their marriages better, make their businesses better. And cause I couldn't work with, you know, all the millions of people out there that have heard about it. I only want to work with a subset of like, the world-class givers that are leading a certain type of company that like we can actually help scale. But I, um, yeah, questions are the same, very simple. Like what, what do they care about? What do they believe in? What matters to them? Who mentored them first? You know, like what charity do they care about? What's their faith? You know, like same things that anybody would want to know. It's that 1% of what makes that person tick really. And that's for doing knives, if we're doing mugs, if we're doing leather goods, like drill down to the essence of what they care about. And, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's what, that's what makes humans humans is that, that soul level stuff. Yeah. When you get to know somebody like that, you get to know them. Like you actually get to know them and you can get past the, how's the weather, you know, Cardinals won last night, you know, like AGC Libertoria pitched the other day did pretty good, huh? You know, whatever. But when you get into the, what you just talked about, that's the important stuff. That's the, yeah, that's the essence of like what keeps them up at night or what they're proud of or what they want to put on their tombstone or, you know, like if you really, really, really knew them, you know, like, and that's oftentimes we have to get to somebody's spouse to get the info because somebody's like, Oh, I know this person really well. I'm like, do you know the 1% of the 1% like those things? Cause if you don't, if you just put all oh, they like wine and they like the Cardinals, like, like the, that $2,000 mug is just a paperweight. But if you get the like, no, they love this kind of wine. And their favorite experience with that wine was in France with their wife as they proposed in this. And you know that like their favorite sport is this because of this with their kid. And they had this one moment where they played pitch, you know, with their son. And this is like one of their favorite moments of all time. And you know that like their dad had this special talk with them and a walk on the beach before he passed away. You started encapsulating like that into a piece and it becomes the most, one of the most valuable things that they have because it encapsulates who they are, what they really care about. Mm. And that's, you know, you land that and, you know, 30 years from now, even if you're gone, like they're still going to be remembered, reminded of that relationship, who gave it to them and, uh, and thinking about like what they care about every single day. Mm. And that's, you know, you do that in business and all the other things that you ever wanted to have happen in business start to happen because, you're the most white, trusted, and top of mind person in that person's world. As I heard you talk about that, I started thinking about special people in my life and some of the highlight moments that they've shared with me about their relationship with me. And I'm like, man, those are all super, super cool. And some of them are the smallest little thing that I'd have forgotten about, never remembered. And like what you talked about with the wine and France and the proposal and that little minute detail and then bringing that in and like, ah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that the little essence of like stuff that nobody knows about, right? Except for them and maybe one other person or a small group of people. That's you know that's how you know you know somebody or that they you know that you feel seen and known. Um, 
Yeah, it's powerful. Really, really. Very simple, hard to execute, but very, you know, concepts, not rocket science. Yeah, yeah. So you don't need to be some big high-level business guy to buy Giftology. There's so many good lessons inside of it to help you build the relationships. So with that, we always like to end the podcast with anything else you want to throw out and talk about. And then I always ask the guests for a challenge, something guys can do week to week. So in between yeah. to this episode and the next one, doesn't have to be hard, but can be. Doesn't yeah. have to be the biggest deal in the entire world, but just something that they can do to get to be a better leader, better husband, better spouse, to level up just a little bit. Yeah. Well, I would say if you want to avoid the 10 worst gifts to give, which would put you in the top 5% on the business side, we have a download, The Givers with an S, thegiversedge.com, and you can get the 10 worst gifts to avoid like gift cards and food and alcohol and the normal stuff. Uh, as far as the challenge goes, um, that way they don't have to go buy the book. If they, they want to just get a little taste of like some of the thought processes and some of our best tap and tips and, and kind of strategies. But the, um, you know, at the end of the day, like we just need a list of people to take care of. Right. And a lot of times we forget who helped get us to, to dance. Like who are the teachers, professors, clients, partners, investors, mentors, like it. So I think a great activity is, you know, write down three people a day that you're grateful for that have gotten you to where you're at. You know, in the course of a year, that's a thousand people. If you just did it for a month, it's a hundred people. That's who you should be. Doesn't have to be gifts. It could be handwritten notes, could be videos, could be, you know, any one of the five love languages, but acknowledging and showing gratefulness and gratitude, really like all we're doing is in the physical form doing that with, with an artifact. But, you know, like I said, the note is just as important, if not more important than the thing. And we all have the time if we really want to, and we all have the ability and there's no real cost other than time, you know, the note and write the notes, send the videos. But if you start doing that consistently and showing gratitude on an everyday basis for those relationships, do that for, you know, do it for 30 days and tell me, do it for, I challenge everybody, do it for three years and come back and say, it didn't pay off a hundredfold. I've never had anybody come back in 23 years because if you take the time to write down who you're grateful for and then go, you know, like gratitude is an action. It's not just people are like, oh, I feel gratitude. I'm like, that's lazy. That's weak. That's like excuse to be like passive. No, gratitude is, it's a combat sport. It's an action. Go freaking do something about it. And it doesn't have to be expensive, but you do that consistently. Great things are going to happen. So, uh, so that'd be my challenge. I know you do that every day. We've talked yeah. in the past and you're like, who can I this, this, this. And so I know that's just part of your action plan. Like you're, you're aggressive with it. I want to, I mean, I want to win and, and, and not win in like a conquer. I want to win in like, I want people to feel loved, taken care of, appreciated. Like that to me, like I want, that's part of my legacy is I want people to know that they matter. And when you do that consistently, they, they know and feel that. Yep. Absolutely. So guys take this podcast and think about the people that matter to you and let them know and let them know. Um, if you write handwritten notes and you mail them, you may, might write a little PS down in the bottom corner and write PS. Hey, I got a quick question for you. Can you give me a call? That way, you know, they got the note. When you make this note personal and about them, they'll feel really good about it. And what they do, there's not an action step for them. So they'll feel really good about it for a little bit. How would you like to receive the incoming phone call when they're feeling really good about the words you just gave them and they're emotional and they're excited and they felt loved, cared for and heard. And then you get to receive that back with an incoming phone call. And you may just ask them a question, you know, something as simple as, Hey, what'd you feel when you read that? Could be that people always ask me, Hey, if you write that, what do you ask them? I don't know anything. Yeah. Yeah. It then it's uh, creating the feedback loop is, is, is super powerful and just creating dialogue with people. Like it's so rare to get a handwritten note, you know, at the end of the day, that, that conversation could go a hundred different places, but I, I think that's a, that's a smart angle and, and great way to, to close the loop and, be able to kind of share in that gratitude. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you'll just wonder if you send it and don't have a way to, to receive it back unless you're going to see them in person in a somewhat timely manner. Yep. Strong. Dan. And when, and when you see them in person, they say, Oh man, I so meant to reach out to you and thank you for that. No, <laughs> like that's what they'll say. Of course they will. Everybody gets busy and whatever else, but yeah, it's uh, and at the end of the day, like um, even if you, they don't reach out to you. Like, like, you know, that if you send that, like, it's going to have an impact. Like when you pour into a relationship, it's, there's a, there's a rip, like, there's no way to do that and not have it, you know, 
cause a ripple in the universe. Like that's just, that's the power of our words. That's the power of like taking action and doing something and making gratitude, not just a feeling, making it an action. So it's uh simple. It's got to do it every day. That's it. All right. So maybe I'll record a future podcast about how to write a note. Like <laughs> I think that's a good idea. Like I had never thought about doing that, but you just gave me the idea. So thank you. Yeah, man. Well, that's it. We are wrapping up with John Rulon, the man, the myth, the legend, giftology. Uh, just so excited to be able to share what John's doing with the world and uh, be able to, whether you're in business or not, like you can implement the strategies in this in your personal life and uh, really, really let people know that they matter and you care about them. Amen. Thanks for having me, brother. Absolutely. Thank you, John. See you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.